That, that Don read to us, the idea of giving thanks, being thankful, or an attitude of gratitude is mentioned three different times. And what I wanted to speak with you about, because we, this is the Sunday uh, leading up to Thanksgiving, as a Thanksgiving message to you, I wanted to talk with you about having an attitude of gratitude. Now, I have found in my counseling ministry that an attitude of gratitude is a tremendously powerful tool. An attitude of gratitude will help you if you're dealing with anxiety. An attitude of gratitude will help you if you're dealing with depression. An attitude of gratitude is a part of the cure for addiction. And, and I was really excited about reading these three verses and preaching a nice short sermon about having an attitude of gratitude. The trouble is, I'm a strong believer in context. That is, you have to keep the passage of Scripture in its natural context. When I began to read the Scripture in context, I realized that it's not just a snap decision to have an attitude of gratitude. Rather, having an attitude of gratitude is truly a journey. It's not just something you put on, something that you decide, I'm going to walk around with an attitude of gratitude. It, according to these verses, according to the Word of God, is a journey, and the attitude of gratitude is the destination that we need to reach. So what does that journey look like? How do we take the journey? What steps are involved in that journey to an attitude of gratitude? Well, for one thing, according to the passage, we need to get new glasses. Well, okay, we need a new focus. Um, that's what is, you know, when you get new glasses, um, you get a new focus, you get a clearer focus, and the focus that he's talking about that we need is in verses 1 and 2. First of all, since then you have been raised with Christ. In beginning this journey, we need to understand that being able to take this journey requires that we know the Lord, that we have come to Him for forgiveness of our sins, and we have put our faith and our trust in Him. He's going to talk later about being dead in Christ. In order to have been raised, you have to have died. And truly, when we trust Christ, we die to the old way of life. But we're still alive. And what the passage says, since then you have been raised with Christ may be hard to realize that we're walking around dead, but alive. But Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet the life that I now live in the flesh, I live through the power of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. You have to realize, in order to take this journey and be successful in this journey, you have to walk the journey with Jesus in your life. 
If you have never come to Christ, you've never acknowledged Him as God, you've never repented of your sins before God, this is the time, and I would challenge you today, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Then, He says, set your hearts on things above. Our tendency is to love the things down here the things around us. And what Paul is saying on this journey, if you're going to arrive at an attitude of gratitude, you need to love up. You need to love the things that are eternal. You need to love the things of God, not the things of this world. You need to love up. Not only do we need, if we're going to take this journey to the attitude of gratitude, not only do we need to love up, we need to think up set your minds not only set your hearts but set your minds on the things above we need to be thinking about the things that are true the things that are just the things that are honest the things that are of a good report the things that are a praise to god we need to think about good things i realized earlier that i wrote in my notes you need to think about good stuff that, that doesn't sound highly theological, but it is very practical to think on good things. Love up and think up. Not only that, we need to understand, and I, I would almost like to just stop on verse 3 and preach a sermon just on verses 3 and 4. Man, you talk about great theological truth. When you talk about for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Jacob, that is, that's just a phenomenal concept. That when, when you and I trusted God, when we trusted Christ, we literally died spiritually in Him. We took part in His death on the cross and all the benefits of it. That's why our sins are able to be forgiven. That's why our hearts have been washed in His blood. That's why we have the gift of eternal life. And that's how His Spirit lives in us. Because we came to Him in faith and we died with Him. And now the life, as Paul said in the verse from Galatians that I quoted, our life is now hidden with Christ in God. That means, Aaron, when, when God looks at you and he, when He looks at me, when He looks at every one of us who've trusted in Christ, He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our nature. We are hidden with Christ in God. He looks at us and He sees Jesus. That Don't ever forget that deep theological truth hidden in this passage. But he says, when Christ, who, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Listen, we need to not only love up, that is, love the eternal things, the things of heaven, we need to not only think up, that is, think about God's truth, think about eternal things, we need to look up because Jesus is coming again I said that if you've never trusted Christ this is the time 
and this is the place. Are you ready for Christ to appear? Are you ready to stand before Him? Are you looking for Christ to appear? I tell you, there's a lot of things that we can, we can look at around us that would be very discouraging. But listen, when you look up and you look for Jesus, when your eyes are on Him and you're thinking about His blessed appearing, then you've taken the step, the first step toward an attitude of gratitude. Love up, think up, and look up. We've got to have new glasses. We have to have a new focus, a new outlook on life. Not only that, but the second step then is tear up your old clothes. No, Brenda did not give her approval this sermon, nor the points in it. And, it's, and what Paul is talking about when he says, tear up or put to death or mortify, there, it depends on which translation you're reading. I said tear up. What he actually says is put to death, mortify, crucify, kill. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. We have to understand, we were born with a nature to sin. We are sinners by nature, and we are sinners by practice. And when we come to Christ, He gives us a new nature, but we still have the old nature, so that daily, maybe moment by moment, we have to tear that down, burn it up, put to death our old nature. Now, he describes that old nature. He says sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. The thing is, and I didn't highlight it, but all of these are actually idolatry. Every single one of them. When I'm dealing with someone who is addicted to pornography, addicted to sex, addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, in every situation, it is an issue of idolatry. And the idol is not the alcohol. The idol is not the drugs. The idol is that person themselves. We're the idol. Because we make choices to please ourselves rather than God. Now all of these things that he lists here are a part, would have been a natural part of the lifestyle of the people in Colossae in that day. And in fact, it doesn't, it's not hard to look at a movie or a TV program in our day to look at billboards, to read books. It's not hard to recognize that these same things are a natural part of the life that goes on around us. What I'm saying to you is we got to quit doing what comes natural. Let me say that again. We have to stop doing what comes natural. We have a sin nature. It is our nature to sin, and we need to put to death that old nature that includes these things. That's our old way of life. We need to tear that up. And there's a warning here 
Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Aaron, I finally found where I had, I knew it was in there somewhere. The wrath of God is coming on these. That's a severe warning. I don't know about you, but I don't want the wrath of God in my life. I want the peace of God. I want the love of God. You say, well, I don't, I don't do any of that anymore. Well, amen. Praise God. But you're not quite there yet because he goes on to say, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now. Now, do you get the point? You've already changed all of that. But Clint, you're not there yet. There's more to do. There's more to get rid of. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this, and one of the authors that I read was talking about this. When he talks about all of this filthy language... This sort of sums up everything that he said before. And our problem is, you talk about anger. This gets really personal. I mean, Paul would not have been a popular preacher in this modern age because he specifically named the sins that hit home to us. Um, anger, rage, malice, you know... You, you realize that that includes road rage? You say, well, I haven't raged lately. Uh, come on now. Now, I will, I will admit I have not yet been guilty of road rage. But I have been guilty of road rant. Why are you pointing at your husband? Brenda... Brenda and I have an agreement, Charlotte, that when I'm driving, she's not allowed to rant at the other drivers. She can do that when she's driving, but it's only fair, right? Rachel, if, if I'm driving, I'm the one who gets to talk at the other drivers, not Brenda. And that has become a running joke with us. But don't tell me that you haven't been angry. If you drive, you've been angry. Don't tell me that you have never been guilty of rage, of malice, because we all rant at the other drivers. But that's, that's what God wants us to get rid of. And, and that anger and rage and malice and slander, filthy, all of that deters us on the journey to an attitude of gratitude. Do you... Do you do you see that? That is poison. All of this is poison against our attitude of gratitude. So is lying. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self. See, there it is again. You put to death the old nature along with its practices and have put on a new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. We need to put to death. We need to tear up our old clothes and put on new clothes. In fact, that's the next step. Dress up. Dress up. Don't just 
love up and think up and look up, dress up. Because you now have a new uniform. When you trusted Christ and He washed away your sin, He left you in the flesh and that old nature is still there. But He put His Holy Spirit in you. You now have a new nature. Now, yeah, there's a war going on between that old man and that new man, that old nature and that new nature. But you have a choice to dress up. You have a choice to put on that new uniform. He says, doesn't matter who you are. He says, here there is no Greek or Jew. That speaks of nationality. Circumcised or uncircumcised, that speaks of religion. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, that has to do with race, with creed, with occupation. But there is none of that with Christ. But Christ is all and is in all. You know what that means? That's a great verse because, friend, it, it says that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Christ can still save you. And He welcomes you to come to Him. There is no one. You might say to me, well, I've done too much. I know that I've, I've dealt with people coming out of war zones. Uh, used to be in Vietnam. I, I talked with people long ago when they came back from Vietnam, and they said, you just don't know what I've seen, and you don't know what I've done. But I can say to them truthfully, it doesn't matter with Christ. There is nothing that you could do that He would not forgive. The same thing is, is true of people coming out of Afghanistan and, and, and Iraq, coming out with hatred because of the things that they've seen, coming out with post-traumatic stress disorder. They say, He can't help me. Oh, yes, He can. There is no one who is not welcomed at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. There is no one that He will turn away. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Forgiveness and radical change in your life is available through Jesus Christ. Christ, if you have received Him as Savior, He lives in you now. And He wants to be set free in your life to make a radical change in you. He says, therefore. So you need to understand who you are when you've come to Christ. As God's chosen people. Now, before you were saved, you were called estranged, a stranger, estranged from God, separated from God, not a citizen of heaven, but a citizen of hell, a slave to sin. But now that you have come to Christ, you are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, recognizing then who you are in Christ. Clothe yourselves. Put on this new uniform. Then he lists the things in the uniform. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, I, I know that a few weeks ago in the Sunday evening service, and I don't know how many of you have been coming to the Sunday night services, but i got to tell you, 
we've had some fantastic services on Sunday evening, and I would encourage you to come. You've, you've missed the blessing, but in those services, I preached a sermon from Ephesians chapter 2, and stand the list is almost identical. Almost word for word, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen, that's what we need to put on. And God, through His Spirit, will enable us. I've said again and again that we need to be humble. We need to be broken. We need to experience forgiveness, both receiving it and giving it. We need healing. We need unity. We need to put on compassion for each other. We need to be kind to each other, even to those who are not kind to us. If we're going to serve one another, that service will begin with humility. I told you in that Sunday evening that that word gentleness is a very special word that's used for how you treat people when you have the upper hand. You know, it's amazing when I, when I sit in a restaurant, and I, I've never waited tables, but I have a heart for people who wait tables because I think that, that they see, servers see the worst of humanity because everyone that they step up to has power over them. And that is a word that was specifically used of, a, of someone who's in court and they're guilty and they're going to be judged and instead of getting what their sins or their transgressions deserve, they get compassion and kindness. That word gentleness is a word that was used only in those circumstances. And yet that is the word that's used for us. How do you treat people when you have the upper hand over them? I hope you treat them with gentleness. And then with patience. It also says forbearance. We are to forbear. We are to bear with one another. That, that just means put up with each other. Just put up with each other. And again, forgive. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, I've, I've said again and again, Keely, that when I think about all that God's forgiven me of, what could anybody do to me that I could not forgive? Forgiveness. And yet I hear people say, I will never forgive them for what they did to me. I'm glad God didn't say that. I'm glad when I came to Him and repented of my sins before God that He forgave. He didn't say, well, you've done too much. He didn't say, I could never forgive you. And since He forgave me so much, what could anybody do that I could not forgive? And over all these virtues, they are called virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I've been saying for a month or six weeks or so now, lost track of how many weeks, that, that we need unity. We need unity in our church. But I will tell you, unity will never come 
without that agent which binds the unity in the church, and that is love. We will never have perfect unity until we truly exhibit love for each other. Love is a gift from God. It is the most excellent way. It is His best gift, love. We need to put these on so that we can complete that journey to an attitude of gratitude. Then finally, not only do we need new glasses and need to tear up our old clothes, put to death that old nature, and put on our new uniform, those virtues that he's talked about, which, we, which are fruits of the Spirit. But we also need a new head. Jacob, I look in the mirror often and think I need a new head. This one's looking a little old and used. But that's not what he's talking about. Because he's talking about let Jesus rule. The head that we need, we need to put Jesus as the head of our lives, of our homes, of our families, of our church. Notice he says, allow. That is, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We need to allow Jesus to rule our lives and bring with Him the peace that comes from having Him as our Lord and Savior. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And if you do that, do you get this? If you get this far, you've begun to love up, think up, look up. You've begun to mortify, to kill that old nature, push it down. And you've begun to put on the virtues of the new nature that Christ has given us through the indwelling of His Spirit. And we let Christ rule. All of a sudden, we will be thankful. We will be thankful. That is the result. Not only do we need to let the peace of Christ rule, we need to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. The Word of Christ, the Word of God. That means spending time in His Word. That means memorizing His Word. That means letting it in our heart often enough and enough of it that it begins to flow in our lives. We use that word then to teach each other and to admonish one another to good works with all wisdom. Where does the wisdom come from? It comes from the Word. Those two words are indelibly linked. Wisdom comes from the Word of Christ. And the result of that then is that we have a spiritual walk and a spiritual attitude a joy in singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, get this, with gratitude in your hearts to God. Listen, if we will let the Word of God dwell in us, the result of that is an attitude of gratitude. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means you recognize that His Spirit dwells in you. Listen, look up here. When you came into this place, 
you needed to have realized that Jesus is in the room. Yeah, I looked around to see who else was here. I'm, I'm glad we have the divine family with us, our church planters from Springdale, Arkansas. I'm, I'm glad to see each and every one of you. We, we look and we see who else is here, and I recognize some who've already taken off for Thanksgiving. They're, they're on the road today. I, I understand that. But the most important person in the room is Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the room. We need to recognize that He is here. Not only is He here, but wherever you go, if you've trusted Christ, He is in you and He is with you. He's watching everything you do. He's listening to everything you say. And we need to be aware of that and so that everything we do and everything we say, we do it in the name of the Lord, giving Him glory. And that will result in giving thanks to God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. That will result in an attitude of gratitude. Do you see why I say this is a journey? It's not just a, a simple decision, oh, I'm going to be grateful. No, friend, you need to take the journey toward an attitude of gratitude. Get to the point so that everything you do and everything you say glorifies Him and give thanks. Listen, I can't leave without reminding you if you've trusted Christ, you have died in Him to the old way of life. You are hidden in Him. In fact, you are raised, already raised in Him. That's the position that you occupy. But listen, that position needs to become practical in your life so that you are looking to Him, realizing that one day you will appear with Him in glory. Knowing all of that, give thanks. Give thanks. I don't know what God would do in your heart with the message this morning. I don't know exactly where you are in your relationship with Him, your walk with Him. But He knows. He brought you here on this day for you to hear this message. He came here to meet you and to meet your need. Whatever that need is, whatever decision for Christ you need to make. We had a young man come in the service earlier to present himself for baptism. Some of you met Danny last week. We're going to baptize him here soon. Some of you need to take that same step. I don't mind putting the baptistry together just for Danny, but I would love to be able to baptize more than just him. And some of you need to make that decision. Listen, whatever decision you need to make, hear the voice of God and obey it. Do what He wants you to do to His honor and glory.